Hello, welcome to the Table Church Podcast. Pastor Phil here. I'm with Pastor Megan, and uh, we're in week two of our series on spiritual warfare. We're calling it Practicing Victory. And um, so we're talking about some stuff that you always wonder but never really talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Actually, this is week three. This is week three? This is week time three. flies. But right now, fun. yeah, we're in the corona time. Things <laughs> get real mushy. It's true. It's just all one day. I don't remember anything. <laughs> well, um, and that is true, though. These are questions that everybody wonders and then doesn't ask. Mm-hmm. And then when people ask us questions about this, they think they're being weird. Right. Like they're the only person that's ever brought it up. We don't think you're weird. No. When you ask us questions about spiritual warfare. Um, you know, you, you could say, in fact, that Megan and I, uh, don't think we talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. It should probably be something we talk about more. Um, but it's tricky because it can get construed in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of weird teachings out there about it. Um, and so it's one of those things you just got to be careful. So what is this? The Phil Vischer podcast? Maybe. You're just going to have sounds. Oh, <laughs> you mean the Holy Post podcast? <laughs> yeah, if you're that's looking- right. It's changed its name and it- I'm still calling it by its yeah. Okay. Now I understand what yeah. you were referencing just like now. <laughs> Phil Vischer podcast or Holy Post podcast is a podcast that we've listened to off and on. It's a good one. Over Check it out. Years. Yeah. Phil Vischer, he's the guy that created VeggieTales. But he's uh, got a podcast. Guy Jatani. Mm-hmm. But they have to leave their what is what is it? It's What's Taco that bell the Bell called? Yeah, Taco the Bell. So they have to be able to ring that bell so they leave their sounds on. Yeah. On their notification. Well, I think Sky has an app on his phone. Yeah. That's the bell. And every time that they make a product <laughs> reference, they ring the bell. Yes. And you may, as you were listening, I don't know if it came through, but I my, bet it did. my computer just made a dinging noise. Yeah. And that's why you said, is this the Phil Vischer podcast? Yeah, that's right. Anyway. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> Megan, catch us up. Where were we last week? Okay. So last week, um, here's a basic overview so essentially last week we just talked about um all kinds of stuff from the history of christianity just establishing christianity has always been this lifestyle of resisting evil and pushing out darkness with light it's always been that way if you look back at the gospels and read um, the words of jesus if you look at the confrontations the situations that are going on it's just constantly there and then in the lives of christians in the you know few hundred years after the resurrection that's that's what they embraced i mean even like the baptismal formulas that Mm -hmm. they used yeah um like the it always there's an acknowledgement that there's a there's a battle going on yeah and then we just essentially stress that all of that organized stuff that they came up with over two or three hundred years teachings, in the, the church. Liturgies, yeah, all, all of that official teaching of the church came out of actual real life. And so it wasn't that they kind of came up with those ideas and then tried to live them. It's that they were living it and out of that came theological, you know, teaching foundations, things like that, and then how to actually practice it in a more formal way. So that's where that came from. Um, And then we talked about just essentially what we've been talking about the last few weeks, just about how if you look at the world and how it works, there are just essentially all of these forces in the world that are working us toward atrophy, toward 
isolating ourselves from God, from other people. Um, it feels sometimes when you're trying to do something meaningful, whether you're just trying to get something done at work or you're trying to have a good relationship or something like that, like there's just a lot against that happening. So um, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Stephen Pressfield has this book called The War of Art. And if you haven't read it, it's a really, really great book, just full of like little one page commentaries about resistance, like the resistance that you face every time you try to create something good. You know, like every time you sit down to start a project, you kind of feel like just not doing it. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a there's a struggle, a wrestling. <laughs> yes. There is a war inside yeah. of you. Um and that's just kind of like built into the universe that it feels that way for people. So anyway, it's just everywhere. So we're talking about that, how that book's to, not about spiritual warfare. No, it's not at all. He's not even a Christian. This is about being a it's creator. Just being a creative person. That you're using as an illustration to say this is kind of like what it is. Yes. Like there's just this resistance. We're running through water to you know, there's something, there's a force moving against us mm-hmm. as we pursue goodness and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think any of us would contest that that's true. Um, it's very hard work to get the best stuff in life. Um, it is really hard because you have to intentionally push through a lot of those invisible barriers to get there, to make anything good, mm-hmm. whether it's relationships or projects or whatever. So um, leading into that, we talked about evil and gave it a really simple definition. So evil is anything that distorts or corrupts the will of God. Okay, so it can be more than just Satan's work or our sin. Evil is anything that's in opposition to God's original and perfect intent for his creation. And the important takeaway from that is that like, there's not a demon behind every bush. Yep. Like other things cause evil. Mm-hmm. Anything that distorts God's will. Mm-hmm. So we talked about a few different spheres of evil. So there's um, just the fact that the world is in a state of brokenness right now. So this isn't what God originally intended for there to be um, anything that we need to experience that's painful. Um, we're not supposed to see death, all of those things. So the world, just there's stuff that just goes wrong that that wasn't God's first plan for right. us. We call this the fallenness mm-hmm. of the world. Yes. And then also within that, that means there's all kinds of stuff that can happen to us, like natural disasters and just any kind of injustice, anything like that. That's all like a just general like presence of evil around us, stuff that we can't control that just happens. And then there's the stuff that we can control our our own sin so there's the things that we do that we know are wrong the things we do that we didn't know were wrong but we're doing them anyway all of that kind of is in that category of sin and we talked about how sin only applies to god's image bearers so your dog can't sin dolphins dolphins can't sin rocks no. yep that's just for us mm-hmm. that's a particular facet to evil okay so sin that's something that we do that pulls us and other people and the world away from God's original intent. And then there's a work of evil powers, principalities. We might call it a, a personification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A personal force of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is going to be um, anything when people are talking about like the devil or evil spirits or any of these things. It's um, all of that stuff in that sphere um, anything that is just entirely bent in the spiritual realm against God 
it's all part of evil too. Um, alongside of that though, I feel like we didn't mention this enough when we're talking about spiritual warfare, that in the whole like spiritual realm, there's also a lot of really good stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. We don't want to make it sound like yeah. when we're talking about this resistance we experience, we don't want to make it sound like, but like there is a greater force yeah. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. is Jesus. Um, who has risen from the dead in mm-hmm. victory over sin and death, yep. in victory over the enemy, who now reigns at the right hand of God the Father mm-hmm. over the cosmos, um, like, and that this whole thing that we call time and reality is going to come to its completion mm-hmm. under the reign of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think don't ever forget that. Yeah, that's a really, really important thing to stress. We will say that more today. Um, I was looking back at our conversation, or I was just thinking back after we recorded it last week, and I was like, I feel like we just need to hammer that home more. Plus, also, there's this whole other realm of like stuff that people just don't know what to do with. But like, what about angels? What about all these things? Those are all relevant. Like, that's mm-hmm. all actually real. Yeah. We really think that's true. So yep. um, when we're talking about like this like invisible force around us all of these like evil forces there's also a lot of holy ones too mm-hmm. so yeah that reminds um, me um so yeah. scott mcknight wrote a book on angels oh yeah yeah, know, yeah and i listened to it once but i remember hearing a podcast that he was talking about writing the book and he said you wouldn't believe as, <laughs> as i'm like going around telling people i'm writing this book he said you would not believe the number of people who when they hear me say i'm writing a book uh-huh. on angels they reply i've seen an angel yeah like and, and I, that's my experience too. Like, yeah, well, I, I don't. Think Phil and I both have stories where, like, yeah. I think that happened. I, I have a story that I could tell where it's like, I think that was an angel, but I'm not sure. But there's been all <laughs> sorts of people in my life who, like, no, straight up, like, I've seen an angel. Yeah. Or the opposite, I've seen a demon. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, like, we don't talk about it much. Yeah. But I mean, it's almost like a floodgate open. So if yeah. you mention it, people are like. <gasps> I have a story, but I've never yeah, told anybody. Exactly. <laughs> we, we probably have dozens of people we could talk yeah, about that, I definitely that do. would have it. And so it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, Phil, about like people don't talk about this very much or they don't know how to ask about it. And we don't feel like we talk about it like from the front or things like that that much. I would say in our everyday life, we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like what we present, often we don't exactly explain it this way we don't go into the weeds very much with it because it can get easily confused and things like that so we're trying to Um, correct that here with this podcast that is what this is for the the thing scott mcknight said that i really appreciate we said if you take the bible you got to take angels Mm -hmm. like you you can't have the bible without angels and angels become like this kind of in our modern mind like this kind of bonkers idea like really Mm -hmm. like white men in robes yeah with ain't with wings yeah you know that's not biblical right no we're not talking about that (laughs) um but for some reason we can accept all sorts of supernatural phenomena yeah but angels just seem weird and demons seem weird to us today and there's like all of these situations in the bible where you'll see um someone talking to an angel and people are you know quick to be like oh that was just like Mm -hmm. a construction like to explain something that happened that got made happen or mm-hmm. something like that. No, it's not probably right. Probably much more real than we think, but there's all kinds of, ex- you know, stuff in like the new Testament, especially angels like partnering, uh, with God's people. They're messengers. Yeah. They're announcing. Yeah. So Which helping them. They often are like in white robes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the feathery wings. <laughs> I don't think that's ever mentioned. Yeah. But. I, yeah. Um, uh, mostly, um, <laughs> 
you'll you'll see like in the New Testament, like people talking about like the spirit of Jesus leading someone to go places and things like that, and that angels are like at work mm -hmm. fighting battles we don't see in this realm that we can't quite understand, but that it's happening. All of that's real. Mm -hmm. It's just real. Yeah. We're yeah. saying it's true. <laughs> so. All right. Anyway, so um, at the end last week, um, we really kind of just like summed it up by trying to basically explain uh, when we sin, we are partnering with evil. We're resisting God and we're partnering with evil, but sin and evil are different things. Um, and we talked about that illustration that every square is a rectangle, not every rectangle is a square. Mm -hmm. So like sin is an evil, but sin and evil are separate things. Yeah, you can make a cool Venn diagram. Yes. Mm -hmm. You absolutely could. So The evil circle would be bigger. The <laughs> sin circle would be smaller in, would. inside the evil circle. That's so true. All right. We should sketch that out. <laughs> <laughs> on the Bobby Guys page. So Next anyway, time you're at yeah. coffee shop, you want to explain it, just sketch it out on a napkin for the person. Absolutely. Comes. But all that to say, before we move on to these new questions, this is actually stuff that I, I would say there's almost no day of like our general, actual, like everyday life, Phil, where we're not thinking mm -hmm. about spiritual warfare yeah. and talking about I mean, it and yeah. stuff like that. If you have questions and you're like, I didn't know I could ask that, you should yeah. ask us. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, going back to your earlier point, Megan, about, um, the earlier, the early church, like they were reacting to things they experienced in mm -hmm. history, you know, um, they, they were just dealing with stuff, darkness. And it wasn't like they were sitting around a bunch of smart guys in a room thinking up abstract, mm -hmm. you know, in the abstract about theology and spiritual warfare. Like, no, they, they experienced it. Yeah. Same is true for us. That's mm -hmm. like how we came into this. Um, I guess this arena, you know, mm -hmm. is stuff started happening. Yeah. Um, whether we were on a missions trip or whether we were here, like, and we just had to, like, we got we to gotta learn more about this. Mm -hmm. and and so, I, I mean, like, there was a lot of stuff that we would, and I don't think either of us was ever a person that was, like, not open to engaging with mm -hmm. any level of spiritual warfare. But there was just a time in our life when we started to engage with it a lot more. And we just had to, like, figure things out as we went. And then over time, we got all kinds of, like, helpful shortcuts. And we learned a bunch of things and figured out a lot of processes that can really make it a lot simpler. And mm -hmm. we're going to get into those in the next few weeks. So get All right. ready for that. What's All our right. question? First question. And we're just going to kind of rattle off Roll questions that have some, some of them questions. people yep. have asked. And so we're just going to try. Yeah, to these are like them. questions that are like an amalgamation of a lot of questions put into one question. Okay. Basically. Got it. You know, the, the I like essence. amalgamations. This is like the essence uh -huh. of all of those questions in one. <laughs> cool. Right there. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So I'll, I guess here, I'll ask the first one. What about evil people? If everyone sins, what crosses the line and makes someone quote evil? Mm, evil. Like Dr. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I think this is really important. So piggybacking on what we were saying before, I think it's so important to make sure that you can articulate the difference between sin and sinfulness and our sin nature and evil mm -hmm. because in regular life you will often hear people talking about other people as evil. if they're evil evil <laughs> yes 
And so I think we just need to understand what these things are and then be careful about our language. So we gotta be really careful about just defining somebody or an organization or whatever as evil, okay? Because mm -hmm. particularly when we're talking about specific people, how we define people matters, how we talk about people matters. And if you feel that you have a position of clarity about what's really going on to the point that you could label someone an evil person, mm -hmm. I just feel like that's very problematic. I would say, I would say, <laughs> in fact, um, I think that I could make an argument that Jesus precludes us from actually calling somebody evil mm -hmm. um, because he says not to judge. Yep. I'm not sure what's more judging than calling somebody, to say yeah. somebody is evil is essentially to condemn them. Yeah. You know? So if you, particularly we're only talking about Christians right now, if you are a Christian who's calling another person an evil person, mm -hmm. You're putting that label on them, and I think it's quite unchristian mm -hmm. to do so. Right. Can an image bearer of mm -hmm. God, like whoever it is, they're still an image bearer. Mm -hmm. However much they're partnering with evil forces, yep. however much they're resisting their creator, that doesn't negate the fact that they are first an image bearer of God. Mm -hmm. yep. And so I'm probably not going to call an image bearer of God evil. Yeah. Because to do that is to fail to fully reckon with what the word evil is talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, Satan yeah. is evil. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Satan cannot change his state. Mm -hmm. He's just irreconcilably fallen. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and Satan, you know, according to the tradition, like fully knows who God is and says, mm -hmm. I don't want that. In yep. fact, I'm going to try to overthrow that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. Yeah. So when we talk about like, oh, that's an evil person or whatever, if you're a Christian, I would advise you to be very careful about saying that and to think about what you're saying first. And this is frankly, super relevant because people are it. saying it about <laughs> they, they there's are. a couple political candidates We're that I can it, think of. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I just saw today people on Facebook calling certain people actually on both sides politically. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, um, calling certain people evil. Okay, so I would say that this is actually something that Christians who are following Jesus should be very careful not to do. Um, so it objectifies people, like Phil was saying, it objectifies them into this labeled, judged position in your mind, um, and almost like puts you in a position to judge whether or not they're redeemable mm -hmm. <laughs> or anything like that, which you cannot ever say about an image bearer of God. You can't do that. Um, and so that's actually just accomplishing the enemy's work for him. Because if you're identifying somebody as evil, what you're doing is you're not identifying them as a human made in the image of God who's corrupted by evil, mm -hmm. first of all. Um, and they may be corrupted by evil, but so are you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's just really important to take that compassionate stance and never, ever, ever objectify people to that level to make sure you see every single person as an image bearer of God who's corrupted by evil, but they are not evil. That's not their identity. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really find John 8 to be really instructive. We're not going to read through it, but if you want to, you can pause the podcast right now and you can go check this out. So there's just a situation there where Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees and um, he's just, it's one of those times that Jesus is just like extremely direct. Mm -hmm. So he's just like saying it like it is. He's being incredibly offensive, oh, yeah. but he's telling the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's just like, he's not mincing words and he's not trying to like, sometimes Jesus feels a little bit more like playful or like he's trying to like 
you know, mm-hmm. help people engage with ideas. This is a time where he's just saying, this is what you are. This is what I am. End of story. So um, when Jesus is talking to these Pharisees about, um, you know, what they believe, who he is, all of that stuff, um, he never calls the Pharisees evil, but he does specifically point out, I think a few different times in that passage, that they don't belong to God, the Father. Mm-hmm. If they did, they would be, they would love Jesus. Mm-hmm. They would, their hearts would be with him, but they're doing the will of another father, okay, the devil. So he's just like flat out telling them, you're either going to follow me or follow the devil. Mm-hmm. Like there's no middle ground and your hearts are firmly planted to follow this other father. So Jesus says they're doing evil. He says they're following someone who's evil. Mm -hmm. He says they're obeying a master that's not God the Father who's evil, but they're not evil. And I just think it's really clear. Like they could Mm -hmm. flip (laughs) because they have that opportunity. Um, So anyway. So that brings up the question everyone's asking, what about Hitler? Yeah. Actually, Are you going to tell me Hitler's not evil? Exactly. Yeah. So people will be like, well, what about Hitler? What about... So, okay, I'm going to Google this quick. What's yeah. the... There's like in like <laughs> yeah. debate, there's like a name yes. for when Hitler comes up. Yes. I was uh, going to say, because in seminary, Hitler comes up all the time. People bring up Hitler. It's, it's a just, principle. Yes. Uh, <laughs> reductio ad Hitlerum, <laughs> also known as playing the Nazi card, is an attempt to invalidate someone else's position on the yes. basis that the same view is held by Hitler. Yes. So every <laughs> no. single time someone's like, well, anytime you're trying to like explain the truth and someone's like, well, what about Hitler? <laughs> yeah. So th- and act- that actually wasn't what I was thinking of. It's called Godwin's Law. Godwin's Law is an internet adage asserting that as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison <laughs> involving Notlers or Hitler approaches one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you... So an argument can reach the point of like Godwin's law, you know, as soon as Hitler comes up, you've reached Godwin's law. Yeah. It's like Murphy's law, you know, (laughs) like the longer an internet, the longer an internet conversation goes, Hitler cannon will happen. Yeah. Like (laughs) Hitler will come up. So we've hit Godwin's law in this discussion. Yes. So this is like what people always say when you're like, you can't, uh, you can't say Hitler wasn't evil. Reductio ad Hitlerum. (laughs) (laughs) So basically so, like the question of like, so what's the difference between a normal person in quotes? You know, like who's a normal and mm-hmm. who's Hitler? Like who's really, truly evil? I I would say after thinking about this quite a bit that no person can be called evil as an identifier of their actual mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. They are corrupted by evil. Mm-hmm. Um, saved and non-saved people can be corrupted by evil, of course, yeah. and they may be doing evil and following an evil master, but they are not evil. I would say, um, <laughs> like if, if you're going to call Hitler evil, then what you're admitting is that the depth of his wickedness is greater than the, uh, redemptive potential of the mm-hmm. cross. Yeah. Like Christians, you can't say that. Yeah. Like <laughs> Hitler was like the stuff he did was really, really bad and really, well, we, what he did was evil, right? Yeah. But like to to say that he's evil is essentially to say that somebody is, I think, beyond redemption, mm-hmm. which we wouldn't save anybody. Mm-hmm. So we're obviously defining evil in, in a certain mm-hmm. way here. And if, if we get offended by the idea that we're saying Hitler can be redeemed, which is another conversation people have sometimes like in mm-hmm. seminary circles and stuff like that, like having to prove like mm-hmm. at what point could someone be, whatever. Um, 
if you're offended by the notion that Hitler would get grace too, then you haven't Jesus understood the scandal. Offending, you. yeah. Like it, we we haven't fully. <laughs> and look, it brings me no pleasure, right, no. to say that because of just the the uh, the the horrendous nature that was Auschwitz and mm-hmm. all of the you know. Um, and, and so the, the risk you take in having this discussion is that you're just not grappling with the horrendous nature that was, mm-hmm. you know, Nazi con- concentration camps. But at the end of the day for a Christian, the scandal of grace always wins. Mm-hmm. It is beyond any other evil that, that exists. Yeah. And to talk about grace is not to diminish how powerfully terrible Right. Someone's actions were or a group of people's actions were, Mm -hmm. but it does illustrate that there is a greater power. There's a greater, you know, possibility for us. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, I think you can't do it. I don't think you can call anybody evil, but, um, knowing that it does give you some ability as a Christian to understand, think, more clearly about what's really going on because, Mm -hmm. and the point of all this is we are quick to objectify people and say that person's evil or, you know, whatever we talk about people in this really flippant way. Um, but the fact of the matter is if you face the fact that no person is evil, but they're corrupted by evil, then you have a, but a much better handle on how to actually engage in making the situation better. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. just want to objectify people and push them off and say like all of those people, they're just evil, they're evil. Which, stay which away. allows you to just kind of condemn them yeah. to oblivion and you don't have to worry about them anymore. You're the they're judge. irretrievably bad. And you have no role to play because yeah. they're just lost. And I think that's bad mm-hmm. news. Yeah. That's certainly not the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Now we do acknowledge in case anyone's wondering, yes, the Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. Um, Okay, so there's no one righteous, but that's not necessarily calling everyone evil. Yes, we're mm-hmm. all sinful. We're all corrupted and marred by the sin nature. Um, On our own, there's no one righteous. Right. But. Yes. And <laughs> and so obviously we're using a definition of evil that goes beyond mm-hmm. just being unrighteous. We're saying mm-hmm. that like you're fundamentally mm-hmm. un- irredeemable. Like you're not equal to Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you well, go. Okay. There's that. Godwin's law okay. has been reached. It has. Yay. All right. <laughs> okay. So along with that, I do want to read some scripture quick. Okay. Um, That's been precariously lacking in this discussion. <laughs> um, so the whole point of all this, we practice victory by choosing to follow Jesus as our master. Like Jesus is explicitly clear that you could either have one master or another, whether you know it or not. And if you want to practice victory, you follow Jesus deliberately. He's your master. So I'm going to read a passage here quick from Colossians 2. And we're going to talk about that. So, okay, this is Paul, Colossians, right at the beginning. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom you are hit in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. So you can see like when Paul's just like writing a letter to these people just to say hello, he's in like four sentences in or, you know, maybe six. Mm -hmm. 
And he's already saying, oh, yeah, you got to like, you know, I'm praying for you as you try to figure out how to discern what's right and what's wrong. Okay. So for though I am absent from you in body and present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So right from the beginning, these Christians are just dealing with this Holy Spirit empowered ability to understand things on a new plane. That's new for everybody. So, all right. So goes on. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So again, it's just like built into the fabric of who they are. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is ahead over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And then he finishes up, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. All right. So I feel like that illustrates really well all of the foundations of what early Christians understood to be a life under you know the authority of Jesus so it's not like you know these people are in all of these like difficult situations um, persecution all of that um, and what Paul is doing is writing them this letter to basically like you know just nail it down one more time like we're all constantly trying to figure out how to navigate every kind of force that's against us and stay rooted and oriented on Jesus and so that's what their lives were like that's what our lives are like and that means a lot of um, engagement with stuff that the world does not understand so hmm. anyway yeah cool all right so yeah. I'll tell you Where what. We well, we're at 30 minutes. Um, so let's save some of these questions for next time. Uh, we got more questions to get to. But but uh, we have other stuff to get to. Too. Yeah. We got some other stuff to talk about. Namely, um, I just want to spend a little time. Uh, we just started school. Des Moines Public mm -hmm. Schools just started yesterday. It was the first day of school. And uh, if you live in Des Moines, if your kids go to the public schools in Des Moines, you'll know that this school year has been fraught with turmoil, <laughs> perhaps even more than most districts during COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, just as the district is um, grappling with the challenge of how do we educate all these kids in a city where the COVID numbers are spiking like crazy, um, what's the safest way to do it, but also what's going to allow kids to actually learn? An impossible task, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And every day you wake up, you should be thankful that you're not the, uh, <laughs> the district superintendent for Des Moines Public Schools. Um, so we just wanted to take some time to say that we, um, love our teachers and we love our students and we're praying for you and we want to cheer you on. Um, 
And my heart breaks for so many of the families that are having to make impossible choices and trying to figure out how they're going to do what's best for their kids while also maintaining a job and all these things. Um, Yesterday, um, on my daughter's first day, you know, they're online with their teacher and you know, my wife, Natalie, she can, she is a teacher by training and, um, and she's also able to stay home during the day. Uh, so we're blessed, but not everyone's in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing kids crying with being overwhelmed yesterday. There was one little boy who is on the video screen with his mask on. He's obviously at his parents' work. Like it looks like a call center of some sort. You just see a bunch of adults in the background with, you know, at a computer, um, at computers and stuff. And I was like, Man, so so they're bringing him to work, um, probably trying to do their job, but also address whatever questions come up with him. And of course, the teacher, <laughs> I mean, is having to try to you know help kids via this medium. Sometimes technology doesn't work; stuff's not doing what it's supposed to. Oh man, it was it was just difficult. <laughs> it was yeah. difficult. I, I'm sure lots of classes were smooth, um, but that was not as smooth as mm-hmm. perhaps anyone everyone hoped, and. Um, and in a moment, like mostly throughout this time, I've been just like frustrated, you know, I've been frustrated with some of the state leadership and some of the school leadership with things. Um, and I think in that moment, uh, God just really impressed upon me. Listen, like everyone's doing the best they can right now. You know, Mm -hmm. this is an impossible situation. Everyone's doing the best that they can with what they've got. Um, my heart goes out to the teachers that are thrust into this thing that they never signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, the administrators who are trying to lead. And let me tell you, like as a pastor right now, leading an organization through this season is not anything anyone was trained to do. Mm-hmm. It's impossibly difficult. Um, there is no right decision. You know what I mean? There, like, there are no right, clear answers to mm-hmm. things. Um, and so... You're often doing things that seem completely contrary. Mm-hmm to what you value. <laughs> and, and and people, of course, have completely different opinions. If you think you know what's right uh-huh. in a decision right now, you're probably wrong. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no way, there's no nothing black and white about mm-hmm. what's happening in today's world. Um, and so I guess I'm saying all of that simply to kind of as a call to prayer for everyone listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the Des Moines Public Schools need your prayer. Um, our governor lead, needs your prayer. And all, all the schools need your prayer. Um, mm-hmm. Some schools haven't had quite, so long story short, there's a lawsuit right now. The Des Moines schools wanted to go fully online. The governor said, no way. So now they're, you know, suing the governor in order to mm-hmm. get permission to be fully online. Um, the judge just yesterday denied the injunction. I'm not sure what injunction means, mm-hmm. uh, but basically it means that I think Des Moines schools are supposed to be on in person right now, but we're yeah. not going to be, we're going to be online anyway. Um, and it's going to go to trial now. Yeah. It's going to go to court. Yep. And so we'll see what happens. I don't know what happens if the judge rules in favor of the governor. Yeah. If we, we have to go in person when we're not ready to go. I don't know what it means. But I think it's just going to take so long that we'll end up getting through the semester. <laughs> it's just going to be, it's just a mess no matter what. Um, and, you know, there's not the resources there to get the on-site locations mm-hmm. ready mm-hmm. for in-person in the same way. And I think every... Every area um, is different, but in like, in particular, the Des Moines Public Schools serve so many underprivileged yeah. children. There's thousands of students that yes. don't have internet access in the city. Mm-hmm. It's a real yeah. problem. And so that's a problem. But then on top of it, um, 
the lack of clarity about what to do if there's uh, an outbreak and needing to like flip flop students back and forth. Um, if you already have very few resources, um, the idea of like switching under-resourced kids from on-site to at home if they have to go quarantine or mm -hmm. whatever is so difficult because those transitions are hard. Yeah. And there's already just so many disparities in so many different neighborhoods that making these transitions back and forth just make everything mm -hmm. even more difficult. Yeah, the distance between the haves and the haves not, have-nots was already yes. big, but it's yeah. gonna get bigger. And so I think really the school system was looking at that and saying, can we just pick one option for everyone that mm -hmm. at least makes it a consistent learning experience that is offered to everyone and they've worked hard to try to give internet access to kids who need it um, and things like that. Because if they go to school but then have to go home for two weeks, they're yeah. basically not gonna get to go to school at all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was really the logic behind a lot of this mm -hmm. um, in addition to the fact that ultimately they just wanna keep people safe. But yeah. It has led to quite a bit of strife. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not making any comment on any one person yeah. or leader's decision. I'm just acknowledging the difficulty of it all mm -hmm. and how in the meantime, kids are suffering, you know? Yep. And so as the church, we need to be praying and we need to be attentive to the needs of our community. Mm -hmm. Can I add so, one thing to that? Of course. So <laughs> one thing that really gets me um, when we talk about um, being at home more and all of that. I think a lot of the people listening probably understand this, that this is a really stressful time for everyone, but you'll often hear people be like, just kind of enjoy getting to be together, enjoy getting to be, you know, all together right now, enjoy all of that. Um, when we talk like that and by all means be thankful, talk about it, all of that. When we talk about that, um, in a way that maybe doesn't honor how many kids, for instance, are in a situation where it's not enjoyable to be at home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and not just because of teenage hormones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that's, that's really hard. So yeah. I know as a Christian and as a parent, I have a lot of other Christian parent friends. A lot of people are just really, really vocal about like, just enjoy this. Like just, you know, whatever. And I'm always like, well, what about all the kids who are mm -hmm. like in danger right, right now? Yeah. Domestic violence calls have <laughs> gone up in Des Moines yes. tremendously during COVID. And so. so by no means, I, you know, am I saying don't enjoy your time at home more if you have it and you're enjoying it. But uh, I think Jesus calls us to constantly remember the kids who are afraid to be home so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up one of those kids. And so I think about that. I'm raising a kid who came out of a situation like that. So for us, I mean, we just constantly think about how many kids. Um, this isn't about like uh, socioeconomic anything. It's just there are many, many families for whom this is just a really difficult time. Yeah. So anyway pray for them. Yeah. And we would be amiss to be pastors in this city and not take time to acknowledge it. And we will pray, um, before this podcast is over for that specifically for the kids and the teachers and everybody going back to school. But first, should we do some <laughs> rapid fire questions? I feel like looking back on this, this will be like, if we were going to have like a, um, superlatives of the podcast, this might be like up there for one of the hardest transitions we've yep. ever made. We just flip-flop from like spiritual warfare to school abuse strife. <laughs> yeah. 
kids in homes that are abusive. And now we're going to yeah. talk about rapid fire questions. <laughs> okay. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to lighten also, it up. That's also, by the way, how every day feels right now. It's true. I feel like every day is just like a journey between very light and very serious mm-hmm. things. Yep. Yeah. All right. So number one, favorite place to hang out in Des Moines. Mm. Are you with your kids or not? <laughs> That's the big question, isn't it? Maybe I mean, when both. am I not with my kids? Yep. It's when I'm at work. <laughs> and that's that's not my favorite place to hang out. I don't uh, I don't hate it, but I'm going to go act, this is might be cheating cuz it's a little bit outside of Des Moines, but um you know, we've gotten to explore some pretty cool county and state parks. So, I think I think Ledges State Park is probably been one of the highlights for me, mm-hmm. which is like 40 minutes away from Des Moines or so, but it's in the mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Um really cool. Uh man, just the unique kind of rock formations out there and you get to like wade through the creek and they've got some good trails and um, it's just a fun place to be. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to, that's probably my summer highlight right now is yeah. getting to go yeah. out there and places like that. We went to Jester Park a lot this summer mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that's just kind of a neat park. To, they've got like bison Did you and guys elk. ever find that secret watering hole I told you about at that we, one we place? We never tried. We never uh, tried. We right. need to do that. Well, secret beach. Yes. Yeah. Intrigue. Okay. Everyone wonders. You know, this is funny because I think question number one and question number two, Phil and I are going to take very differently. So like (laughs) for me, question number one, I'm like, what isn't my favorite place? Mm -hmm. I love every place for some reason or another. And you'll see why. But question two, I think Phil would say the same thing. So, but for question one, I would be like, oh man, you mean like favorite place to eat or like favorite place to go and like just chill, favorite place to go out in nature? What? All of them are awesome. So I would say though, my first answer is we really love like walking around either, well, particularly in the East Village, like my kids and I can just go walk around the East Village Mm -hmm. all day. East Village is sweet. Like that's a place where it's just like super chill, downtown, small town kind of feel. Um, everybody's super friendly. So it was one of the first places I went when we moved to Des Moines or it was before we even moved here. I just went to like get to know people and everybody was so stinking friendly. Like every shop I'd go into, I would just like chat it up with the people who yeah. worked there and say, hey, I'm moving here. Teach me about Des Moines. We're and Iowa I did that. nice. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just Kay. love that. Place. You got to land though. Give me a place. Um, no, I'm 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 landing on East walking Village. through the East Village that and works. stopping at every single store we love and chatting with the people who work there, and then going to Drivers Coffee. Okay. <laughs> Which is at the end of the street, and then yeah. you come back up. Yeah, that's okay. a, that's great. All right. All right. Question two: Which dinosaur is best? <laughs> What's the best dinosaur? Um, which these are questions y'all gave us. Like yes, this these one came I believe in. was from Shay. Shay, shout out! Yay. Um. Yeah, so I'm similar. Like, how do you choose a best dinosaur? It's impossible because, listen, there's nothing cooler than a dinosaur. Like, I challenge you to think of something cooler than a dinosaur. Cats. No. No, nope, not even close. I mean, the only way you're going to maybe get close is like to go cosmic, you know, like <laughs> outer space stuff. That's the only potential thing that could rival dinosaurs in coolness. But 
even then i'm not so sure do you have a first memory of dinosaurs like do you have a first <laughs> memory of probably like, like the first time you got like whoa i probably had like dinosaur curtains or something when i was a kid yeah i used to really like dinosaurs when i was a little boy <laughs> i was all about dinosaurs and it's, i'd say the fascination has lingered uh, 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 um yeah. i haven't i haven't like read a lot about dinosaurs lately but <laughs> Um, I was a pretty big dinosaur nerd as a kid. You were, you were. So, I mean, I do. I, do you have a favorite though? Can you I fall mean, off the log for one in particular? Um, we were talking. There's been so many new dinosaurs discovered since I was in my dinosaur prime. Your nerdery prime. Yeah, I mean, they've like uh, the big one from Jurassic Park. We were trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. I think it's Spinosaurus. Yeah, like that's but pretty I was cool. thinking of the megalodon. Megalodon. Megalod- yeah, that's the like the big shark. Yeah. Um, but so like from like my childhood, you know, uh, probably, probably triceratops. I mean, you know, just the guy just like taking down the T-Rex with his horns. I guess pretty, pretty sweet. Um, but then you got (laughs) Pachycephalosaurus, right? That's the one with like the big dome on its head Uh and they like headbutt each other like mountain goats. (laughs) Um, you got Parasaurolophus. That's like the duck-billed dinosaur with the bone that sticks way out the back of the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. they think that, you know, they probably like made big, loud trumpeting noises. Uh-huh. But Brachiosaurus, like the biggest of the big. I was going to say that actually as my favorite. I mean, a, a grown man comes up to its ankle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what yeah. in the world? And they're they're enormous, but they're like big cows, <laughs> you know? Because they're like, like well... We don't know what they sounded like, but Jurassic Park know. sure made them sound sure, like big yeah, cows. I think that's why they always appealed to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just watched it a couple of weeks ago. How can a movie be so like kind of <laughs> gory, but like majestic yeah. at the same time? Oh, that movie holds up. That one Jurassic Park movie holds up. I'm not going to speak for the other ones. Yeah. But Yes. Okay. That's John Williams composing the uh, music. It was so great. I feel like I just remember this tidbit that I hadn't thought about in a really long time. So there was a moment a few years ago where I realized that growing up, I had shared that I had posters all over my walls mm-hmm. of cats. Yep. They were the centerfolds out of my subscription to Cat Fancy Magazine. Yep. So every month I would get a new Cat Fancy Magazine and I would whip that thing open because I wanted to see who the new centerfold <laughs> was. And I'd pull it out and I'd tape it up on my wall. So by the time I was done yeah. subscribing. <laughs> centerfold has a very different con- connotation yes. in this discussion than it often does. It's, I mean, but that is what it is. Yeah. It's just like the centerfold yeah. is a majestic a cat. Yeah. Yeah, it's a poster. And so anyway, I would rip it out and I'd put it on my wall and my whole room was just like covered in cat posters. Mm-hmm. And I realized one day when I shared that with Phil. Oh yeah. So I did the same thing with my reptiles magazine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was into reptiles and stuff. <laughs> I subscribed to Reptiles magazine and they yeah. had centerfolds as well of like <laughs> bearded dragons and green anacondas and you know <laughs> whatever and and i would my room was tiled with posters of reptiles yeah yours had cats mine so when we made that connection that we did the same thing <laughs> you with cat fancy magazine and me with reptiles magazine we're like wow uh, look at us now we were destined to plant a church together uh, the nerdery is strong. Yeah. We're both into input too. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. like it wasn't just about the centerfolds for me. Like I wanted to learn about every breed of cat. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. wanted to understand all of the like intricate details about what made this cat special. Yeah. So. Yeah. So input is a well, the strengths finder test. Like, yeah. That's my number one strength, and that just means I like to collect things. Yeah. And it can be facts. It can mm-hmm. be coins, stamps, or facts about things. Mm-hmm. And I've always and I've gone through like seasons of my life where I'm like super into something. There was uh-huh. dinosaurs, there was reptiles, and there was outer space. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's my input. Yep. So you apparently yes. had it. You had it too about cats. Anyway, so we're not ashamed of our nerdiness. Nah. It's made us into the people we are today. Yeah. But seriously, what is cooler than a dinosaur? I can't think of anything. <laughs> I mean, you could get all Sunday school on me and say, Jesus. No, that's not allowed We're here. bracketing that out no, for this discussion. obviously not an option. Not, not an option. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Question in, number three. In one sentence, why do you love being a pastor? Hmm, which I think is sweet. You think that the question's sweet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoever wrote that, you're sweet. I don't even remember. I just have a big Google Doc. Yeah. Why do you love being a pastor? Um, num, 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 num. Mm, some days I don't. <laughs> 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 There's been more of those days recently. Um, you know. It's not pastoring's fault. True. <laughs> pastoring cannot be the the culprit. Uh, because yeah. You love being a pastor. I do. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. So. Um, for me, it's. Um, just the opportunity to form people in the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get excited about helping form a community to live out the teachings of Jesus, mm-hmm. because I think that that is the most significant thing anyone can do in the world. Like mm-hmm. just to live out the way of Jesus. Um, so I guess that'd be my answer. Yeah. Um, Oh, why do I love being a pastor? I tried not to think of my answer at all. Cause I wanted to listen to yours and not be a bad communicator by mm. not listening to you. So, mm. okay, why do I love being a pastor? Uh, I really, really love helping people understand how available Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Like, I love being a pastor because I love how many opportunities it gives me to open people up to how open Jesus is all the time. Yeah. That is what I love about it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good answer. Better than if you had said the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Cause then Although I'd... I do love that too. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are industries You're right, Phil. that you I could have gone into that would have had more, but Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Everything about being a pastor has definitely been opposite for me when it comes to, um, I would say I have invested quite a few dollars mm-hmm. in being a pastor. You've spent more money to be a pastor <laughs> than you have to, than you've made as a pastor. I'm not in the black yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not about the money, people. Yeah. They should make like a disclaimer at the start of seminary that, hey, this ain't going to pay you commensurate with the amount yeah. that you're paying us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's going to be a while before you make this up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, being a pastor, it really is a calling, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and when you become ordained, at least in the Wesleyan church, like there's this, well, we even sing the hymn, the Charles Wesley hymn, a charge to keep I have. And mm-hmm. it's this sense that like, I am, it's like getting married, you know, like I am committing my life mm-hmm. to something, you know, high or low. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is my calling, and I bind myself to the calling of spreading the gospel via local church in ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not the only mm-hmm. calling out there, but it's a calling. And when you um, accept that charge, it's just, for me, it's like a marking moment in my life where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not looking back anymore. This is what I am. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I've had to hold on to that moment. I've had mm-hmm. to go back and remember, okay, I was calling this. The church laid hands upon me and declared that I am ordained. You know, In other words, I am called. I have the gifts and the graces of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to rely on other people's faith in me um, because I don't necessarily have it for myself. And, mm-hmm. um, so... Yeah, I mean, on like the worst days when you're kind of just constantly like able to be in the middle of a lot of messes, mm-hmm. um, it can be very difficult. But I don't know, like I even on like the days where it's like this is all just awful and I could just go work at Starbucks, mm-hmm. I never actually can ever picture doing anything else. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of like Peter uh, to Jesus. Like he, at one point in the Gospels, he says master, where are we going to go? You know, like a bunch of people leave Jesus. Jesus mm-hmm. like, you guys leaving me too? It's like, where else would we go? Yeah. I don't no know. one else but you. Or is yeah. There's no, I don't know. I don't know where else I'd go. Yeah. And it's not just because I don't have any marketable skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I cannot Although picture that's part anything of it. else. <laughs> Although if you do it long enough, you really truly lose your ability to go back to school for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and you just got to dig your feet in. Right. <laughs> it's true. But Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any marketable <laughs> skills, but I can translate Koine Greek. Mm. Uh, you All can right. always live by your trumpet. Oh, there was a day. That day's gone as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could play the trumpet pretty good. Anyway, we love being pastors. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for letting us be pastors. Can <laughs> we um, Can we close with just a prayer for... Pray for a new school year. This is a Catholic prayer I found, and I liked it. So I'm going to pray this, and I just, if you're listening right now, would you just give your heart to this um, as well? It says, Lord, our God, in your wisdom and love, you surround us with the mysteries of the universe. In times long past, you sent us your prophets to teach your laws and to bear witness to your undying love. You sent us your son to teach us by word and example that true wisdom comes from you alone. Send your spirit upon these students and their teachers and fill them with your wisdom and blessings. Grant that during this academic year, they may devote themselves to their studies and share what they have learned from others. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you. Well, talk to you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.